Well, we may be hearing uh, that music again if rumours of uh, a growth in the making of Western movies are proven true. I'll be talking to my guest, Philip Malloy, about that in a minute. But I imagine, Philip, there isn't a movie programme on the radio around the world that isn't talking about James Bond. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're leading up to a situation where it'll open at the um, Royal Albert Hall um, on the 26th of December. And it's the fourth film, as you know, uh, to star um, Daniel Craig as James Bond. Uh, now, the problem, well, uh, maybe problem is the wrong word. The, the last movie, Skyfall, I think it took a gross of about $1.2 billion. Um, and that has left this movie in a situation where it has to measure up in some way. And one of the things that has happened is... Um, I mean, we're in this environment anyway, fast and furious movies that destroy cars all over the place, George, and 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 lots of sort of movies that depend, like the Mission Impossible movies, that depend uh, um, uh, on high-powered, on stunt people and so on for high-powered action. But anyway, the point that we're getting to is this movie is, um, is supposed to cost $303 million dollars. And uh, they're supposed to have destroyed $36 million worth of cars in it. Apparently, they created uh, 10 specially. These were specially created Aston Martins. Uh, Aston Martin DB10. You'd know more about these than I would. And uh, they were built especially for the production. And seven of them were destroyed. Then there were several more destroyed in this high-powered chase yeah. in Rome. Uh, just a matter of interest, yeah. was that remark like that about Aston Martins that I had a few of them or something? No, no, or just no. because? You know, you know more about cars than I do. <laughs> All right. Well, the Aston Martin DB6, yeah. the famous one, it made its debut in Goldfinger yeah. because the, your man, now dead, the, the, the special effects man at MI5, mm. do you remember? He was in mm. about 25. Yeah, Desmond Llewellyn. Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. 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 And he, you know, had machine guns and yeah. ejector seats and all sorts of things. But and he uh, used to warn Bond to bring back the Aston Martin without getting it uh, yeah, scratched. Up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about spending 36 million on cars, mm. do you remember the Macintosh man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Paul Newman. Paul Newman, James they, Mason. The yeah, great James Mason. They filmed some of that in Galway. They did. And uh, they had a Mercedes in it. And the Mercedes broke down. And they rang up the Galway guy. It just shows the way the money in movies like. They rang up the Galway guy and it was noggle goggle switch or something, you know, which would have cost probably 30 quid, right? And he said, I haven't got one. I'll ring you back, rings you back. There isn't a noggle goggle switch. In the country. In the country, right? <laughs> so they just bought a new Mercedes and instead... Like so, whatever that cost a hundred grand, it would be now. But anyway, they just bought it. So, but uh, I, I mean, this is a bit excessive. The right? No, no, absolutely. As I'm saying, I'm saying to you, they had, they feel the need apparently to measure up because of the success that Skyfall had. So they've been throwing money pretty much uh, at this thing. There's a, I've been reading about it for months. By the way, there's a a, a chase in Rome that um, goes around along by the Tiber, around by the Colosseum, and through the Vatican. They got used to the Vatican, and apparently the cars in it uh, go up to 110 miles an hour. 
And um, and then there's another one where this kind of full-sized airplane is piloted by Bond. It crashes down through an alpine barn and into a Land Rover. I mean, they were hitting cars every, in every conceivable way. Now, uh, did you generally like the music on Bond movies? Did oh, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Although and have you heard this one? I've been disappointed in this one. And I do wish that people who, composers, people who are composing, and I, by the way, I think that John Barry is sorely missed. John Barry did the scores for a James Bond movies but in this case it, everybody seems to try to emulate Shirley Bassey yeah, yeah well let's have a listen yeah. I, this is really interesting okay. like, this guy is called Sam Smith an old colleague of yours on The Independent the comparison uh, with Shirley Bassey because you could imagine Shirley Bassey singing that yeah, no, yeah. would be better but, paced. But there'd be more energy in it. Perfect. You know? We're in agreement, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. That's one of the poorer no, yeah, James Bond no, It teams. is, it is. Uh, he said he wrote it in 20 minutes and it looks like it or it sounds like it. Uh, and it'll presumably it'll come, George, after the, the, the pre-credit sequence in this one and Bond film movies are famous for their pre-credit sequence, is set in Mexico. And presumably that will come, that will then come after yeah. it. But have a listen to this, Phil, for old time's sake. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, one of the things about her is that she had a natural sort of dramatic quality in her voice and it came across in that and pretty much everything else she did. Uh, by the way, Tina Turner also did a, a Bond uh, song uh, for Goldeneye and she had that very same quality, George, but that guy Sam Smith doesn't have it or anything like it and I wish he would have tried something different, something new and I would have, you know, I would have liked Sam Mendes, the director, to encourage him to do something new but... That's right. very tired. I saw it described somewhere as wimpish, and I think it is wimpish. Oh, yeah. Listen, we're going, we're going to be talking about uh, Agatha Christie's mm. And Then There Were None. Mm. What's the connection between the 1965 version of Then There Were None and Shirley Bassey? 65 and Shirley Bassey. Okay, 65 was made with Hugh O'Brien um, and Shirley Eaton. Shirley Eaton? Correct, was yes, in Goldfinger. Goldfinger yeah. She was covered in gold. Right, Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, Goldfinger yeah, killed yeah. her by covering her in gold. It was shot in that. Were you involved in that? It was shot in Ardmore. No, that was before my I time. <laughs> but I met Shirley Eaton. I kind of went on half a date with Shirley Eaton. Did you? Yeah, well, there was four of us, and I wasn't with her. I was just looking so at her. You had a quarter of a date. I had a quarter of a date. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, then there were none. Agatha yeah. Christie. But it is not, interestingly, yeah. Hercule Poirot or, no. or Miss Marple. No, uh, uh, Hercule Poirot and Miss Marple. By the way, the, the, the rights to those books have generally gone to ITV. Oh, I see. Yeah, as as you've probably noticed, whereas in this case, it's the BBC. BBC have done, well, did a, 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 a deal recently with the Christie estate. And um, apparently they have been talking to the Christie estate for years, but now they've agreed. And there's two two things that are happening. On the 125th anniversary, by the way, of her birth, uh, there is a mini-series, a mini-series of three parts. And apparently it'll be the... Uh, the high point or the centrepiece of the uh, BBC's Christmas schedule this year. Cast, George, includes Aidan Turner, the Irish actor who plays Paul Dark, Charles Dance, uh, Toby Stevens, that's um, the Scottish actor, um, Anna Maxwell-Smith and Miranda Richardson. They're all in it. Uh, So, okay, we have a a mini-series and then as well we have a feature film that's been made by Morton Tildum. Morton Tildum is the Scandinavian director who made The Imitation Game and uh, the recent uh, film version of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. So you have the two of those. By the way, uh, um, the book... Um, that it's that it'll be based on has sold over a hundred million copies. It's it's the her best selling book. Really? Yeah. So. Just um, everybody remembers. Most people remember Miss Marple, of course, because yeah. of of the television series yeah. and so on. And I loved an actress called Joan Hickson playing the part. I thought Did she was you? Great. I thought she was. Yeah, great. she was. Yeah, but she but had, the original she, and best Miss Marple in black and white. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She only did two, did she? Yeah, well, two or three. And there used to be a certain kind of music to yeah, it, yeah, I remember. A, yeah. And her husband was an actor in it that's, as that's well. Right, yeah. well he, Margaret he, Rutherford. Murphy, he played the, the doctor in the village, didn't he? Yeah, the great yeah. Margaret Rutherford. Murphy, yeah. Ah, yeah. Now, um, just speaking of a movie, J.B. Priestley's play mm. called An Inspector Calls, Calls yeah. was made into a wonderful movie mm. um, with Alistair Sim. Sim yeah. The BBC are, are remaking a lot of famous kind of movies yeah. like, and I watched that. Did you like it? Yeah, I, I actually have it at home. I haven't looked at it in ages. Uh, but No, yeah. but did you like the BBC version? No, I didn't see it. Didn't All see right. the BBC version. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it, what's happening, by the way, in that slot on a Sunday night is the BBC had come up with this collection, this string of, of classic sort of projects in order to compete with Downton Abbey. That's the, yeah. yeah. What do you think in a Downton Abbey? My wife watched the first part uh, and I think she watched the second part. Uh, I've stayed clear of it. I, I just think it's too boring. It's too slow. It's, you know, I, I don't like it, George. Yeah. Uh, well, Paul Howard wrote a book, you see, called Downtown Abbey, which is quite <laughs> funny. But uh, I, I, I have uh, part two in the can, but I've only watched part one. But I think you're either a Downtown Abbey fan, yeah. like, or you're not. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, yeah. but, but what but is it? But I think at this stage, though, whatever it is, I don't know, six season, is it that um, it has gotten tired? Well, I tell you what it has done. It has lost, uh, I think, a great, she's in it, but they've written her, her part badly is the best actress in it uh, who's you know Lady Mary's maid who's married to your man oh, Anna yes. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think poorly written and they've pretty well done nothing with the great Joanna Froggett is not her yes, name yes yeah. with what's her name the Grand Duchess yeah Maggie Smith Maggie Smith. Yeah. I think it's Maggie Smith's poorest performance by script really rather than her you know yeah, yeah. 
Now, we're getting a lot of texts about an RTE series called Clean Break. Do you know anything about this? I know very little except that it's advertised all over the city. Uh, If you go into any railway station, there's a huge um, sort of billboard um, advertising it. It started this weekend, I think, this past weekend. Yeah. All right. I I might have a look at it next week. All right. Um, The Martian. This yeah. is the big release of the week, isn't well, it? Well, it's, it's, I was just saying to our producer, Mark, that um, it's a really good time, George, for, for, for movies, for new movies. The Martian, uh, The Walk. There's a really good version of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender. Uh, and then there's one called 99 Homes, a really good film that's set against the back, set in Florida in uh, 2010 against the background of the uh, subprime mortgage disaster. Or, um, yeah. So they're all, but anyway, first of all, on The Martian, I'll go through these quickly. The Martian is the latest film from Ridley Scott. And it's about a manned mission to Mars that goes wrong. And the, the crew of this ship is caught in a dust storm and they have to take off, leaving one of their number played by um, uh, Matt Damon behind. And uh, he's presumed dead. He's not dead, but he's stranded 140 million miles from Earth. Right. So uh, he, at the, anyway, the, the whole point then is for him to make contact with NASA to tell him that he's still alive and then for him to stay alive um, on, a, on a planet where nothing grows. Now, I, I, this is a space picture, George, that's absolutely suffused with the personality of its central character. This guy, Mark Watney, he's a botanist and he's played by Matt Damon. And Damon is, he has these wonderful sort of... Um, uh, he, he has a diary. He's doing a video diary to track his experiments and also to basically to hold on to his sanity. And he, uh, he, he um, Damon sells these kind of confessional monologues with the sort of wit and humour that you get, you, okay. you don't get from many. I'll just say yeah. two things. First of all, it's a space picture with a sense of humour, which you rarely get. And people generally say that Ridley Scott requires a good script. Well, he's got it in All this. right, well, um, there was... Uh, this is Robinson Crusoe-like, isn't it? It, it, it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, so <laughs> Robinson Crusoe won an Oscar for Dan O'Hurley, the Irish actor. Do you remember? Uh, and then... No, I think he didn't get an Oscar, did he? I think he did. And then there was uh, the the Tom Cruise uh, where he was shipwrecked. Do you remember? I, was, I do, yeah. It, it, so it, these are quite Tom hard. Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks yeah. you're right. These are hard to do. Yeah, because you have a central character filling the screen, yeah. and you have nobody else. Well, one of the things about this one, though, is it it okay? It's him, and it's focusing on him. And as I say, um, his 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 personality and his wit and humor and humanity are at the center of this thing. So the the story, which is 141 minutes long, that's another point that we keep raising. Um, and the story moves from 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 him on Mars. Uh, to, to Nassau, where they're trying to devise ways of getting them back. And then, George, as I say, the um, Earth is 140 million miles, four years uh, from Mars. So the, the the ship that he was originally on is also sort of travelling back to Earth. So you're moving from one All of right. those okay. to the other. Now, I'm not sure I'd like the next movie, but it, this is about a wirewalker. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's a true story and it's a fellow called Philippe Petit and he walked apparently on the, on the Twin Towers between uh, the, and the World Trade Center in 1994. He walked um, on a wire 
uh, between the two. Uh, by the way, he wrote a best-selling book called Reach for the Clouds, and there was a documentary film on this thing that won an Oscar in 2008 by a guy called James Marsh. Um, this is done by Robert Zemeckis, who made the Back to the Future movies and all kinds of other stuff, including the one you've just mentioned, uh, the, the Castaway one with Tom Cruise, or with Tom Hanks. In this one... Um, uh, uh, okay, the first half of it basically introduces us to this character, Philippe Petit, uh, shows him in Paris um, juggling on the streets, and he's a street performer, performer and he's taken in hand by this uh, this circus acrobatic acrobat played by Ben Kingsley, and uh, so it's about that relationship developing and his his obsession um, with the Twin Towers, and then the second half of it is this. It's been called George the artistic crime of the century, and it's about um, him setting up the walk the, 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 the towers are only being fitted out uh, there's construction crews there's foremen there's cops all there so he has to get in and out of, of these okay. towers on a regular basis to set up the walk and the walk he walked I think it was eight times back and forth between the two towers alright the, the fella I remember reading about was a fella called Blondin he went over Niagara Forms oh, yeah, Falls yeah, apparently yeah. uh, wire walking well, yeah. this top was 1,350 feet above the... Yeah, the and then last year, was it last year? Yes, I think it was. We were in Chicago with the program. Uh, the weekend, the fella walked across uh, the river in Chicago. In, uh, another word, can't that? remember, yeah. Wire Walker. Mm. Um, it caused traffic jams, so I wasn't terribly worried. I was trying That's to get it. out of traffic to get to the airport. And now, Macbeth. Macbeth, yeah. Now, when this was announced, okay, it's Macbeth um, starring uh, Michael Fassbender in in the main role. And when it was announced, I have to say, I thought it was, it sounded like an indulgence for an A-list movie star. And uh, I didn't think there was any reason I had to Sorry, can I suggest you're unhappy, why you were unhappy? Why? Because you had seen Orson Welles' version and you thought nobody could do Macbeth on the screen. No, I I don't think, I'm not a big admirer of Orson Welles' version. The version that I like is the Japanese one. Or Kurosawa, is it? Yeah, of of course. And as well, uh, Polanski did one. Um, uh, which was made in Wales with John Finch. I don't know if you remember that English actor, John Finch, um, in the title role. But anyway, uh, I didn't think there was any need at this stage for another uh, version of Macbeth. But then this guy is an Australian director called Justin Kurzel. Uh, he links up with uh, Fassbender. I don't know where Fassbender found them. Um, he, had, uh, he had made one other picture called Snowtown, uh, which is widely admired. But anyway, they link up and... Um, uh, they, 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 they've done a marvellous job, I think. One of the things I just say, George, about uh, Shakespeare and the cinema is I always find anyway is that uh, it, it, the dialogue actually weights down the You're action. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. The dialogue yeah. is so difficult. Yeah. And in fact, the, the Shakespeare I like best is an unusual one. Like a, a, it was Julius Caesar. Yeah, and yeah. I think they managed to put it yeah. on movies without dialogue weighing it down. Yeah. Because dialogue's a huge problem because yeah. 90, well, half the words are not in modern day usage. Well, I, 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 it doesn't feel like that at all. It doesn't feel like That's it's dragged great. down uh, and you're able to understand everything that happens and there's no problem with it. Right across the board, the structure, the pacing, the performances, it, pass, it has um, uh, Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, Paddy Constein, a gorgeous actor, uh, David Chulis, Jack Ray, the Irish actor Sean Harris and then you have the production design and you have these great these real sort of moody uh, right. mountain locations and you say to yourself 
how come nobody ever used Scotland as a location for, for Macbeth pet, before, yeah. you know? And, and the hills of Dunsinane yeah, did gorgeous, move, did yeah. it? Yeah, Listen, gorgeous. connection. Yeah. Dan O'Hurley was in the Orson Welles version of yeah. Macbeth, yeah. from which he got uh, uh, Robinson Crusoe. Yeah. He did not get an Oscar. He got so. an Oscar nomination. Well so. done, yeah. Philip. You're yes. right as usual. <laughs> yes. Tell me about uh, 99 Homes quickly. And it's set in Florida in 2010 against the background of the subprime mortgage crisis. Andrew Garfield, lovely actor, the actor who played Spider-Man, he plays this hard-working carpenter and single father. He's fired from his job, loses his home, and gradually, against his better judgment, he goes to work for as a goon for this satanic property magnet played by Michael uh, Shannon. Uh, who who is the guy who actually foreclosed on him? Now it's um, it's it, the, its main achievement, I think, is this is a comparatively dry subject, and it's dramatised here with insight, punch, and human okay. feeling. And the two central characters, Shannon and um, and, and Andrew Garfield, are, are powerful. They're absolutely really well played. Listen, I I was reading somewhere Homeland's back on RTE next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, yeah, on yeah. RTE, is it? Yeah, this yeah. is series, series what? Series six. I haven't watched it. I haven't, Sorry, series five, George. Series I haven't five. watched it since my man died. Since, oh, have you not? No, oh, since your man from yeah, Band Brody, of Brothers. Brody, yeah. Yeah, I've watched it since. Because I think she hugely overacts. I could never she's take good, to her. She's a good to cry, yeah. Good. Yeah, could never take to her. Listen, remake, and yeah. you know the way we feel about remakes. Yeah. Magnificent Seven okay, can't well, be done. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the cast includes Denzel Washington, um, uh, all kinds of other great people, but um, uh, Ethan Hawke. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. It's out in the second half of next year. I talked to Robert Vaughan, if I can drop a name. Uh, yes. I talked drop to Robert away. Vaughan about this. Yeah. And he said they had no idea what they were making because they were all making, like, they were only there for short periods yeah. of time. Mm. So they actually had no idea uh, what a movie it was, in fact. Mm. you know, it was, mm. I thought that was really interesting. Anyway, what you're talking about is the rake, rake of Westerns coming up. That's great news. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. Uh, um, as you say, The Magnificent Seven. Jane Got a Gun, which has Natalie Portman playing this woman who hires a former lover, played by Ewan McGregor, to help her pr- protect her husband and homestead. Then you have one called, interesting one called um, uh, Forsaken George, in which Kiefer Sutherland co-stars with his father, Donald Sutherland, in the story of this embittered gunslinger. Um, who tries to restore his relationship with his estranged father when their community is besieged by a ruthless land grabbers? Uh, then the, right. the, there's a great a great French director. I'll just say finish now. A great French director called Jacques Audiard, and he's making uh, his English language debut with a film called The Sisters Brothers. Unusual. Bone Tomahawk, the kid. Uh, which is another... Uh, no Diab- more Di- Billy the Kid. I've Di- had it. It's another Billy the Kid. Diablo, uh, Brimstone, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, an Adam Sandler film called right, The Ridiculous okay. Six. All right, well, I've had enough Billy the Kid. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Kid will be back. Philip Malloy will be back next Wednesday with more movies and television. A very Saturday strong, night. Very strong picture show uh, at, uh, at 6 o'clock. Um, one of our guests will be an old pal of yours, Jacqueline Bissett. Right, yes. Jacqueline Bissett. She's very good talking cut about class, uh, uh, cut glass valves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, picture show at six on Saturday, and then six thirty Wednesday next. Uh, movies and television. The kid, Philip Malloy.
Thank you, George.